This is Ethan Hunt. They're dead. Wait, who's dead? My team! My team is dead! Welcome to Cruising It, the podcast where we watch and discuss all of Tom Cruise's films in chronological order. I'm your host, Donovan Bruce, and with me as always is Andrew Mount. Maybe we'll just leave the courts out of this one. And Mason Kuzmich. What's up, folks? On today's episode, we're talking about Mission Impossible, a spy thriller following IMF agent Ethan Hunt in his efforts to uncover a mole in the organization. What'd you guys think? Uh, This was a medium good movie. I medium liked this movie. Uh, The correct snooty movie opinion is that this is the best Mission Impossible movie, and that is a garbage opinion. Not as good as I remember, and definitely not as good as the second Mission Impossible. Okay, Mason. Which is the best Mission Impossible. Okay, Mason. Yeah, well, anyway, it's not. It's definitely not. I mean, I think I did say earlier that in terms of like enjoyment while watching it, I do enjoy watching the second one more, but I think it's the way that you defend Mission Impossible 2 <laughs> that bugs me. <laughs> By saying it's the best Mission Impossible? Well, that's, that's purely inaccurate, but... It's not. It's not. Uh, no. like, I would put it either second worst or worst. I think if you take it from like a quality of filmmaking standpoint, it is definitely the worst. Uh, but in terms of my personal enjoyment, I think I I think I'm more entertained by two than one. One one just kind of drags through me. One one was good, I think, especially as kind of a uh, medium good. Sure, yeah. fine. <laughs> medium good movie. Fine. I, it wasn't a large good or a small good. It's medium good. It is not a, a jumbo no. good either. Yeah, it, it is a solid start to a franchise. But. You said that like you were going to keep going. I know. I'm just, <laughs> you just stopped and looked it's, at us. It's it's <laughs> at it's end. gotten it's gotten better over time. Well, depending on the movie we're talking about, it, it got way better once they stopped taking themselves so damn seriously. Yeah, see, I think a lot of people like this first one because it takes itself so seriously, or they purport to like this one anyway. Um, I should just take their word, I suppose. But I think it's just a little bit more boring. You know, yeah. it's like these movies work better when they are just a little more over the top action. Well, I mean, you can you can really track how good the series is by the seriousness that they take themselves. Because like one and two are probably the most serious, and those are the uh, bottom hang two. Hang on, are we going to say two? I don't know if it two, takes itself seriously. Two takes itself almost too seriously, like uh, okay. like like overly seriously. Maybe that's just like, why I find it ridiculous. Like everyone's so serious, and the stakes are so high, even the, as like like it doesn't have a lot of like, are swirling around them. Yeah, I'm, I'm talking doesn't about doesn't have like a lot of humor injected yeah. into it. I'm talking about like the okay. st- like the story and stuff. Like the yeah, tone. like yeah, Mission Impossible Two is ridiculous because it's John Woo and John Woo makes ridiculous movies. But if you actually like think about the plot of that movie, it's very serious. And then three, they they add a hint of Simon Pegg. Just a hint. Just a kiss. Just a kiss of Simon Pegg. And then they make Simon Pegg a main character, and then everything is right with the world. Ghost Protocol, Rogue Nation, and Fallout are by so far the top three. Is Simon Pegg the real hero of the Mission Impossible series? I, he saved it. So I'm not even joking about that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, feel like the inclusion or of... Or maybe J.J. Com- Abrams is the well, hero I of the series. I, yeah, but I don't like giving him He's credit. Like, hey, you guys <laughs> want me to soft reboot a popular franchise for you? I'm going to get really good at doing that. Oh, did you see the South Park episode where he rebooted the national anthem to prevent the uh, standing and kneeling controversy? 
Uh, no. Nope. I'll I did not see that. I'll that park is still running? Yes. Yeah, Holy shit. Apparently. All, uh, all he did was change the beginning where it's like, and now stand or sit for the national anthem. And everyone's just like, oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> he did it. <laughs> I mean, that is, that's a little funny. It's a solution. Well done, South Park. <laughs> greatest show in the world go watch it right now mm. turn this podcast off delete it never listen to us again I mean, go watch that. south park binge watch the whole series right now start with the movie chronologically doesn't it come first uh even though kenny permanently dies in it which makes no sense but at the beginning of that they never are they never cuss right did you know that there's an oscar sorry i keep going on about this movie there's an <laughs> oscar nominated song in that movie uh, that doesn't surprise me, actually. Blame Canada was nominated for an Oscar. Are you sure it wasn't Shut Your Fucking Face, Uncle Fucker? I can almost guarantee that that was not Oscar nominated. What about Kyle's Mom of the Bitch? Somehow she I don't think they would nominate She's the biggest bitch in the whole wide world. Uh, and I sold her back to middle school. <laughs> I am thinking through that song in my head right now, and there's a lot of problematic parts of it there are a that ton. I would not want to continue singing. So I'm glad that we've stopped talking about it and moved on to something else. Bye. Anyway, Mission Impossible. Uh, yeah, medium good. <laughs> well, okay. On that note, let's get into our discussion of Mission Impossible. Jim Phelps and his latest Impossible Mission Force, IMF, team are dispatched to stop the theft of the CIA non-official cover, or knock list, from the American Embassy in Prague. Their mission fails. The list is stolen. Phelps is shot. His wife Claire dies in a car bombing, and the rest of the team, except for Ethan Hunt, are eliminated by unknown assassins and supposed tech malfunctions. Meeting with IMF Director Eugene Kittredge, Hunt reveals his awareness of a second IMF team sent to monitor them, and learns the job was a setup to lure out a mole within the IMF, who is believed to be working with an arms dealer known as Max as part of Job 314. As Hunt is the only member left, Kittredge suspects him of being the mole, and Hunt flees. Okay, so one of the first scenes in this movie is uh, John Voigt on a on an airplane, and he is mm-hmm. getting his mission that he his you know his little Mission Impossible mission with the video that reads mm-hmm. the mission to him. He gets that from the flight attendant, and I would just like to point out that the flight attendant job is the worst spy job in the world because I think you probably still have to work for the IMF <laughs> or at least have really good security clearance, but ninety percent of your job is just being a flight attendant. Well, okay, so I actually went back and watched a couple episodes of the TV show, the original TV show. God, you're dedicated. I, well, okay, so it's on... <laughs> I barely remembered where I put my notes for this movie. <laughs> it's on it, It's on Amazon Prime. Uh, but they they do that at like the beginning of every episode. They get their, they get their uh, mission briefing from some obscure place. Like the, the, the pilot, they get it from a... Uh, from like a record shop, the guy goes in and asks for a specific piece of music, and the guy behind the counter is like, "Oh," and takes him into a back room and gives him like a a record. So that sounds a lot like Mission Impossible Five. Uh, Rogue Nation, yeah. Rogue Nation. That's, that's it. Might it, be. That's where. It, yeah, he gets it at a record shop. Which oh, yeah, yeah, she's got a shitty job too. She just, I mean, maybe she likes working in a record shop, and also is trained as an IMF agent. 
Yeah, I mean, this, still, this is like a standard it, thing that they did, and it's still it's still unclear to me if those people are IMF agents. I mean, they or, or if they're like outside consultants who just like help out. I guess. I mean, IMF you're still you're trusting them with the mission, right? Yeah. I mean, it's not maybe this is why they have moles. You know, this is why <laughs> their security <laughs> details are leaking because like literally ninety percent of people are in the IMF. Yeah, just delivering messages. IMF couriers. So this is a terrible plan to rat out a mole, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, right off the bat, you have to have, you don't know who the mole is. And first of all, you make a lot of unwarranted assumptions about Ethan being the mole just because he's the only one who's not dead. But also, you have a second IMF team that's watching them. How do you know they aren't the moles? I mean, maybe he vetted those guys more closely. Maybe he suspected someone in Phelps' team, and so he got guys he trusted to be the second IMF. I don't know, man. I, guess, I don't know. You should just vet them, too. I mean... No, it's easier to just, just have them all, them all. Put them on different teams and see where the leaks keep happening, you it's know? It's easier to just have them all die terrible deaths and then blame whoever's left. Just blame whoever's still alive. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's a good plan. Good job, Kittredge. Greatest IMF director in the history of Mission Impossible. And not technically evil or dead, so he could come back. Yeah. They mentioned that in an interview once. Well, there we go. Mission Impossible 32. Kittredge. He's coming back. He's going to start a new evil organization called The Collective. <laughs> and they're going to be like rogue IMF the syndicate, agents. but worse. <laughs> yeah, rogue IMF agents. I mean, they probably just put him in charge of the syndicate again. Oh, it's all... Uh, it's the syndicate all, goes back to the TV show, too. It's oh, all, uh, really? yeah, yeah. Oh. It's all old directors of the IMF, just in one evil organization. <laughs> <laughs> Billy Crudup is still alive. <laughs> It's not even that. It's just literally just the IMF doing both sides. Just, yeah, just fucking around. Just IMF Civil War. Turns out the IMF is the only non-corrupt intelligence agency. <laughs> well, it's it's like... A, the CIA, FBI, and NSA are all part of the collective. <laughs> it's like the Clone Wars, you know, where it's, yeah, the Emperor is in charge of both sides. Yeah, that's a good point. Another fun thing about this, uh, Emilio Estevez, I found out, actually is uncredited in this movie. I felt like he actually had a solid part. You know, yeah, he's definitely in, this, in, in there. The, since the beginning part, you know, he had a decent amount of lines and got killed in a, probably the worst way of all of them. He was the elevator death, right? Yeah. Uh, great death. I watched part of this movie once in a hotel, and that's the main part that I remember is Jack getting murdered because it's terrible. It made me scared of elevators. <laughs> but also, at the end, I'm like I'm really bad at like keeping track of people's faces. Uh-huh. Um and so if people have, like, the same length and color of hair um, in a movie and the same gender, I often just cannot tell them apart really easily. Um, and so at the end, Tom Cruise has this moment where he puts his glasses on, and Emilio Estevez's character was wearing glasses at the beginning. So I thought that the big reveal was, because I was a kid, I'm like, oh, it's that guy from the elevator, right, Dad? <laughs> and my dad was just like, no. No, he's, <laughs> no he's really dead. That is not it at all. Oh, Dunkirk must have been horrible for you to watch. It was! <laughs> but it was at least intentional. It was just like a bunch of, like pretty skinny tall white guys with the exact same haircut yeah it was pretty bad i I usually don't have a problem with that and sometimes i have trouble remembering it with you my brother kept making fun of me for being extremely gay because we were watching the haunting of hill house Uh and i kept mixing up all of the women because they have the same like approximate length and color of hair (laughs) (laughs) and he's just like some of these women are way more attractive than the other women it's hilarious but i still don't remember which one because i don't care there you go 
All right, uh, returning to the Prague safe house, Hunt realizes Job 314 refers to the Bible verses Job 314, Job being the mole's codename. Claire arrives at the safe house, explaining she escaped the bomb after Phelps, aborted, uh, after Phelps aborted the mission. Hunt arranges a meeting with Max and warns her that she has been given a fake list on a fake list on a disc equipped with a tracking device. He promises to deliver the real list in return for $10 million. Yeah, that's it. Sorry. It, the text is really small. I couldn't tell if it said $510 million or if that was a dollar sign. And then I realized $510 million is an absurd amount of money. Yeah, cool. <laughs> uh, $10, cool million, $10 million <laughs> and Job's identity. Max and her agents escape, taking Hunt with them just before a CIA team raids their location. So here we see it's Ethan Hunt. He's the bad guy. Known it all along. Good job, Kittredge. He's going undercover. <laughs> undercover. <laughs> I wonder if this will become a pattern. <laughs> no, probably not. <laughs> I can't imagine that being the case. I mean, at a certain point, can Ethan Hunt even really go undercover? Doesn't like every evil organization like have him on his like why don't fuck with this fuck guy did list? Why we just let Ethan Hunt in? Why? Why is he here? <laughs> Holy shit! It's Tom Cruise. <laughs> also, I feel like by the by like the last couple movies in this franchise, Ethan Hunt is probably the worst covert agent ever because everybody already knows who he is. Yeah, but he kills most of the people who know who he is. I mean, that's true. Yeah. But it's like it's like the fifth one is when the syndicate, syndicate like they all fucking know. It's like oh, it's Ethan Hunt. It's like. He's supposed to be a spy. You're not supposed to know who yeah, he They're is. spies, too, so they all know each other. They all hang out at the same club. See, I don't think work. that's how spies work, either. I think, yeah, no, like, I think you don't is. know everybody. No, you, you do You have, know. like, your team. That's the point, is, like, when you're a spy, the first thing you get is a big dossier that lists all of the other spies <laughs> oh, in the wow. world, <laughs> and you all hang out, and you're friendly with each other. But you have to protect that knock list with your life. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> 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 how much money okay i mean i guess they had bigger plans but do you think the syndicate would have made out better if they had just sold all of their knowledge of probably just like knock list people that they personally know probably all right so here's everyone that we know now we have a lot of money now we're gonna buy uranium all right there we go <laughs> problem solved um, so this is a so we get two big reveals in this portion one claire's still alive Oh, yeah. yeah. And then the second one, Max is a woman? What? Gasp. The women can't run crime syndicates. Apparently they can. <laughs> Sorry, crime organizations. The syndicate's not right. in this she, one. Yeah, she's really more of like a, you know, a middleman, a go-to person, right? Mm. Or is that, I don't know. I don't know. That I, I she's, like, she seems like she buys and sells stuff, but she doesn't, like, do stuff. Yeah, I feel like she's she's like the she's dealer. She's a dealer. I mean, a broker. The, the brokers are some of the more powerful people in those relationships though yeah i mean she's definitely still i just mean that she's not like you i know, mean it's it's kind of it's kind of like not murdering people yeah she's not the one who's going to use the knock list to kill people exactly she's just going to sell it to somebody who then does that immediately yeah. well i mean she's she's similar to philip seymour hoffman's character in the third one because he wasn't because he was trying to sell the rabbit's foot which is like some weapon but he wasn't wait what's the rabbit's foot it's a thing that you rub when you put on your keychain you rub it for good luck yeah uh, why it, did everybody want it uh, because it's it was really cool color. It's a pretty rare color. Oh, so okay. Were, yeah. Really Any, good not luck. because of the good luck. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> anyway, anyways, like he was selling a weapon called the rabbit's like a doomsday device called the rabbit's foot, but he wasn't what personally going to use it. it they never say. <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> never say. How weird would it be for them to just go the whole movie and not tell you? <laughs> I actually thought that was hilarious. There was. Um, 
I mean, I don't. It could like, probably. It, it's it, probably nothing. They, they weren't probably just killing each other for. No, they weren't even trying to hide the fact that it was literally just a plot device yeah. and wasn't really that important. I, you know, I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> when they weren't even trying it, to hide it, it's like, oh, we're not going to tell you what it does, but it's probably bad. So this is what they're <laughs> after. I used to think that one of the great things about these movies is that that they were like really straightforward plot wise, but when you think uh-huh. about it, they are really not at all. Oh yeah, it's super convoluted. And um, I think I saw. Oh, it's the sixth one, right? That has the terrible Superman actor in it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's Fall actually Henry pretty good, Henry but he's not a good Superman. Come at me, bro. There, I mean, there are no good he's, Superman. He's me. He's honestly not. I mean, it, it works for the character. He's very like, yeah. like I like him in Mission Impossible anyway. He's like a solid. He's like a. He's like a wooden board who also punches people. <laughs> yeah. Like, he reloads <laughs> his fists manually. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that cool uh, scene, in that movie. The second time I watched it, I was like, I'm going to try to figure out the plot. And I was so fucking lost. And I'd already seen the movie before. Like, if you just track, like, what are they actually trying to do? And who has, like, who possesses this, like, missing nuclear weapon at different points in the movie? It is fucking impossible to figure out. And, like, what the hell was Max's daughter going to do? None of it makes sense when you think about it. But that's why, like, the third one was just like, whatever, it's a rabbit's foot. I was just about to see if if you guys caught that... uh, the woman in uh, Fallout was Max's daughter. Yes. Yeah. Spoilers for those who yeah. are watching these movies as we go. I thought that was a, I thought that was a, fans of our show. I thought that was a really cool callback, though. Yeah. It's, no, it's because you know, and they killed Max off off screen. I think. I yeah, I guess I guess they kind of kind of implied she died. I mean, she was older, so she may have. It sounded like she was going to work something out with the IMF here, so she she might have cleaned up her act. Probably not because her daughter's doing the exact same thing. Probably. Maybe she was still in prison uh, following the events of this movie. I don't think she necessarily went to prison this movie. It kind of sounded like she was going to work out some sort of deal. Oh, yeah, that's right. Let's keep the courts out of this one. Yeah. Okay, so that's the second of two lines that Kittredge says where it's like, it's like low-key, like really evil. Like he's not the <laughs> villain of this story, but he's just a really shitty person. The villain of geopolitics. <laughs> and the other one, yeah, exactly. And the other one I have here is when he's like, you know, Tom Cruise has clearly been framed, and he's like, well, you know, your parents, you know, needed all this money because your dad is sick, and dying in America is an expensive proposition. Which is, I feel like, Ooh, one of the worst evil points you can make. What's that other thing he says where it's like? like you just take something that they care about and you squeeze yeah exactly oh my god he's like the most evil like anthony hopkins has been an imf director but kittredge was way more evil somehow listen this is this is the this is the deep state at work could you get your dog to shut up please no he's adorable i know he is adorable (laughs) Duca. Well, okay, Hunt and Claire. Yes. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. So my, we, we my have pet. Tuka Rask tied my, up and dressed like a dog. Yeah. My, yes. my pet, you Boston boy, Bruins goalie, Tuka Rask. <laughs> Let me leave, please. I have a family. I don't know what I sound like. <laughs> Not like that. This is like 25% of my Jason Garrett voice. <laughs> Anyways, Hunt and Claire recruit two disavowed IMF agents, computer expert Luther Stickle and pilot Franz Krieger. They infiltrate CIA headquarters in Langley, steal the real list, and flee to London. Shit. Done. London. No, my, my screen freaked out and started scrolling. Oh, down. okay. And flee to London. Kitch- Kittredge, detecting the theft, has Hunt's mother and uncle falsely arrested for drug trafficking. He provides media coverage of the arrest, forcing Hunt to contact him from Liverpool Street Station. 
Hunt allows the CIA to trace him to London before hanging up, but is surprised to find Phelps nearby. Phelps recounts surviving the shooting, naming Kittredge as the mole. Hunt realizes Phelps is the mole, having stolen, a, having stolen a Bible with a Gideon stamp from Chicago's Drake Hotel during a previous uh, assignment known to Hunt's team. Hunt also suspects Krieger as the one who killed the other IMF members in Prague, having recognized his distinctive knife. However, he is unsure whether Claire was involved. Hunt arranges with Max to exchange a list aboard the TGV train to Paris the next day and secretly sends tickets to Kittredge. Cool. Um, this was my favorite section of the movie, probably. Um, I like all the spy thriller shit mm-hmm. and him trying to figure stuff out. Um, and I like a lot of what they did in this section, uh, one of which is that they did a good job of, you know, going into this, I was like, oh, this is stupid. Doesn't he, like, randomly recruit a bunch of people and, like, some of them end up being traitors, too? And he, like, doesn't even realize that that's a possibility. But I like that he's kind of on to Claire potentially being bullshit the whole time. Right. He, like, immediately has Jim figured out when he shows up. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even catch that he was onto the French guy being evil. But, yeah, but cool. it was good because you kind of got the idea that Claire was the one who recruited him. Yeah, because they, they do that scene where he's talking to Phelps. And he's talking to Phelps trying to figure, trying, like, I think Phelps says that it was Kittredge. And so we... Tom Cruise is trying to talk through what Kittredge did, but in his mind, they show it in flashbacks. He's showing Phelps doing all of it. And you kind of yeah. get like, oh, he realizes Phelps is the one that did it. Yeah, the person who stabbed Galitzin, they show, they kind of show the part where he grabs his wrist and it looks at the knife, and then they cut back to the scene with Galitzin and it shows the French guy stabbing him with, the, with that knife. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Krieger. Yeah, that was, Franz Krieger. That was a well-done sequence. I guess Franz Krieger. I guess he's, is he really French? That sounds more German. I mean, he's played by Jean Renault, who is French. Are you French. just saying that because Krieger is a clone of Hitler? Yes. Archer? No, this guy's also clearly a clone German. of Hitler. I mean, now I'm really confused because Jean Renault is French, but he plays Franz Krieger, which sounds very German. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, I do think he's supposed to be French, but... Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, no. This was that was a good use of flashback. They had a stupid use of flashback earlier with a flashback to like Kittredge's, you know, voiceover, and I thought that was like really dumb and hammy when when Ethan's trying to figure everything out. But uh, but this one was mm-hmm. well done because you're just you're showing that he is not just figuring this out as he's going on; that he's actually crafting his own plan. Yeah, which I guess I've. I mean, maybe this is the reason why people like the first one more than, like, the later ones is, I guess, it's more of, like, kind of the detective work of being a spy. Yeah. It's not really... He's not just winning because he's the best motorcycle driver. Yeah, because, I mean, honestly, this movie's not that action-packed. Yeah. Not at all. Well, you, you say that, but even so, like, the uh, the old actors apparently thought it was too action-packed. Oh, God. Really? really? Yeah. I want to I mean, know, know the old actors, if they were still alive's reaction to Fallout. Uh, well, they, they, they probably stopped oh watching. Oh, God! I mean, st- story is apparently like a, most of them walked out of the out of the screenings that they went to. Yeah, I do. I have a couple pieces of the trivia on uh, the original actors' opinions of yeah. this movie. Yeah. Uh, the only the only character in this that's returning at all is Phelps. Is Phelps? Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they, but this is the this is the scene where we get like the most iconic moment from this is Tom Cruise on the wire, you know, hanging just above the ground, everything mm-hmm. like that. This is the first time we hear the Mission Impossible theme. Yeah, yeah, iconic and, the, and classic. And the introduction of Luther Luther Sickle, who's going to be a recurring character. Yes, I believe he's the only other person who's in every single movie. 
Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because they squeeze he's, him in there at the end of number four, right? Yeah, he's he's not actually part of the mm-hmm. team in Ghost Protocol, but he shows up at the end just like having a beer with Tom Cruise, and it's like, ah, yeah. oh, there he is. Well, and this is also one of those er- one of those parts of the movie where you kind of see the whole like the DNA of the old show because the old show was also based around like the whole team. Everyone had their very specific skill set, and they're like mm-hmm. one of the best in the field at that specific thing. And yeah, which that's a recurring theme mm-hmm. that they keep going with, like. I always have Luther as the hacker, and then I don't really know what Benji's job is. He's like kind of a hacker too. Like he's more of a computer guy. Uh, Simon Pegg's character. Yeah, he started out as a hacker, and then he passed the field agent test, right? So now yeah. he's more, you know, like field support for Ethan. Mm-hmm. But he can shoot guns sometimes, but mm-hmm. he's not as good at that as he is at hacking. Yeah. Well, I guess Simon Pegg had taken the Luther stickle role in Ghost Protocol, yeah. but then Luther was back in Rogue Nation, and it's like. And in number oh. two, is Luther a hacker? I remember that he had like a like a sniper rifle at some point. I mean, I'm, I'm sure all IMF agents are probably capable, weapons trained. like weapons trained and actually capable in the field. But no, he was doing a lot. He was the one out in the van doing all the computer stuff. That's and, right. You know, he's always got to be able to sit down while he's helping. The <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's never the one to actually go in and do anything. He's always out in the van. I think even in the even in this one, he's just sitting out in the fire truck. Yeah. He got that one moment at the end of the second one, but even then, I think he was like sitting down in the helicopter. Yeah, <laughs> he, like, shot somebody or something. I don't remember. Yeah. Well, okay. Uh, on the train, Hunt remotely directs Max to the list. Max verifies it and directs Hunt to the baggage car, where he can find both the money and Job. Hunt calls Claire and tells her to meet him there. Meanwhile, Stickle uses a jamming device to prevent Max from uploading the data to her servers. Claire reaches the baggage car, finds Phelps, and tells him Hunt will arrive shortly. She questions the idea of killing Hunt since they will need a fall guy, but Phelps reveals himself to be Hunt in a mask, exposing her as a co-conspirator. When the real Phelps arrives and takes the money at gunpoint, Hunt dones a pair of video glasses that relays Phelps' image to Kittredge, blowing Phelps' cover as the mole. The masks. Beautiful, beautiful masks. Yeah, so uh, I, I don't want to be like a uh, plot hole nitpicky here, uh-huh. but there's two things I want to point out. I just thought these things were funny, okay? They don't run uh-huh. the movie for me. One is that I don't know where he fucking got that mask from. Does he just carry around a mask of Jim Phelps at all time in case he needs to impersonate Jim Phelps? He has a mask I mean, of all of when his did team he make members. It? Honestly, he might have a mask of all of his team members, yeah. like, just in case. It's it's like that the Justice League thing where Batman like has a secret plan to take down all of his team members. Yes. Maybe yeah. Ethan Hunt is like that. Um, the other thing is that he was really smart and like playing a few steps ahead of them you know to try to figure out if claire was also a mole mm-hmm. but then ultimately i feel like his plan comes down to like well i hope i'm you know better at kung fu fighting than jim phelps is when it comes time for us to confront each other i mean also and why he wasn't he also was not better than him yes but also why the hell is phelps like phelps is in that car just watching him sitting there as jim phelps yep. <laughs> while, while all this happens yeah why? he's curious i mean uh, fair, he kind I guess. Of, or didn't he get mad why did he shoot claire i don't even i don't remember Spoilers, we haven't read that part yet. I don't like this part. <laughs> we haven't? No. Wow. These last two paragraphs cover drastically different sections of the movie. <laughs> yeah, I don't... The train part is not my favorite part of this movie. Yeah, it's kind of fun to see it all coming together, I guess. Yeah. Well, okay. Uh, Phelps threatens to kill Hunt, <laughs> but shoots Claire instead when she intervenes. See, I told you. Uh-huh. He climbs to the roof of the train where Krieger is waiting with a helicopter and a tether. <laughs> Woo! Hunt connects the tether to the train itself, forcing the helicopter into the channel tunnel after the train. Hunt places an explosive chewing gum on the helicopter windshield, killing Krieger and Phelps. Kittredge arrests Max and recovers the list, then reinstates Hunt and Stickle as IMF agents. 
Hunt is unsure about returning to the team, but on the flight home, an attendant uses a coded phrase to ask him if he is ready to take on a new mission. The CGI helicopter was pretty bad. It was very bad CGI. <laughs> and that would be a real helicopter if they made that movie today. Oh, yeah. Tom, Tom Cruise, Cruise would, be would have been the one it. flying it. Yeah. He would be like, like, I just, insist on flying a helicopter through a train tunnel for real. Wait, while no, there are but, trains. But, but Tom, well, that's, that's, that's Krieger flying it. You're on the train. Put me in a Krieger mask. I'm flying the helicopter. <laughs> Tom, the masks aren't real. Yes, they are. <laughs> <laughs> I've been Nicolas Cage the whole time. Oh, oh my god. No, that's way worse. <laughs> or way better. Way worse. I actually did not see any trivia about Nicolas Cage being passed over for the role for this one. Oh, well, it wouldn't be because this this movie was made because Tom Cruise specifically wanted to make it. Well, there you go. And and he, he wanted was to make smart. it. Yeah, he was smart. He wanted to make it because I mean, this was one of his favorite shows as a kid. And like, to just imagine getting famous enough to make yourself the main character of your favorite TV show. Like, I mean, you've heard about some of the stuff <laughs> he's done with like the later movies, right? Not all of it. No, there's a what's the what's that big square in in London? The Trafalgar. Yeah, uh, Trafalgar, Trafalgar Square. Oh yeah, no, Roman. I think he's told me about this. Okay, it's. You, you can't land a helicopter in Trafalgar Square. Why not? That's incredibly illegal. And then Tom Cruise is like, well, for Edge of Tomorrow, wouldn't it be cool if we landed the helicopter in Trafalgar Square? And he fucking made it happen. That's illegal. And he's just like, I'm Tom Cruise. I do what I want. Yeah, man. Uh, it's great it how didn't much even power add anything rich to the people movie. have to just do whatever they want for no reason. It Listen, when this... add anything no, to the didn't. movie. When this when this podcast thing finally uh, finally takes off and we're all famous, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make them. Never happen. Yeah, I know. I'm gonna make them add me into a Thomas the Tank Engine. I'm gonna be one of those trains. It's gonna be great. Mm. I'll be impressed if we even finish this podcast. Oh yeah, me too. Yeah. Aw, come on, man. We gotta get to all the other Toms. Yeah. Oh, so many more Toms. <laughs> Welcome to Tomcast. Or 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 we can just switch away and do Alan Tudyk cast. We could. We actually were looking at so a brief, brief off-topic here. Sorry, I may edit this out. I may not. Uh, we we were looking. We were watching. We watched two movies that just so happened to have Alan Tudyk in it, and we actually realized, like, oh, he's not really the main character or anything, but he's in a lot of good movies. That would yeah. be a, that would be a fun podcast. It would be a very wide array of really good movies that nice kind tale. of feature Alan Tudyk a little bit. Dodgeball. Yeah. Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Uh-huh. Yeah. Serenity. Arrested Development. Big Hero 6. Uh, Rogue Moana. One. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Rogue One. Rogue One, Moana. Uh, Moana really Dead Counts. Did we already say Deadpool 2? I don't think so. There's a really great video <laughs> of him doing the chicken noises from Moana and then just being like, I went to Juilliard. Ugh. <laughs> 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 uh. Uh, we'd have to watch the Ice Age movies, though, and I'm not a huge fan of Oh, them. God, was he the squirrel? Uh, he was Lemmy. Who? Lenny or Who? Lemmy. I think that's, didn't that the, the saber-toothed tiger? I don't oh, know. Oh, he was the saber-toothed. I don't I thought know. Dennis Leary was the saber-toothed. Maybe he was. I'll Google it. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I'll give it a Google. I don't know why I remember that. And Ray, Ray Romano. I, there, this is a bad Ray Romano voice. I'm Jason Garrett now. Possibly Kermit the Frog. Why are you both looking it up? I'm vamping with an impression of Jason Garrett. I can't do this for more than ten more seconds. Somebody help. Save me. Don't let me spiral. Stop. Please. No. Well, all right. So that was a, that was a segment from Andrew's upcoming one-man show. I'm sweating all over. Jason Garrett does a, okay, does so, a Ray Romano impression. So Alan Tudyk was not any of the main characters in Ice Age. 
Lenny Lenny was a saber tooth tiger, but he wasn't the main one. He was like a oh, secondary. Okay. He he didn't play any of the main characters. I don't think, unless he did play the squirrel. What's the squirrel's name? I don't know what the squirrel's name is. Does the squirrel even have a name? It's probably D. Bradley Baker. He does everything. Stop! Stop both looking things. Sorry, up. he was also an iRobot. <laughs> I mean, that's right. He's Sunny and iRobot. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. He does a lot of. Uh, I did not kill him. He was in Aladdin. I don't care. The, the little fugitive crossover there. Oh yeah. <laughs> I didn't kill my wife. I don't care. Ah, oh, Tommy Lee Jones. <laughs> Anyway, we can. Yeah. This is a super focused and interesting part of this podcast. <laughs> Listen, maybe, Alan Tudor podcast. We could talk about we could do this. <laughs> okay, Mission so, Impossible. All right, so, so let's, let's just let's just start let's say, at the discussion at the say, end. No, no, we're not getting any of this out. Fuck you. Oh, okay, okay. Let's say. Yeah. What? Let's say. Let's that say. you get so famous that you can create a movie of your favorite TV show as a kid, and you are. Got I don't think you don't really get to I pick the character. It. You have to be one of the main characters. Oh yeah. What TV show has been now been made into a successful movie franchise, and what character are you? Oh, that's Street a... Sharks. Oh my okay. god. Okay, that's, that's a great one. <laughs> Oof. I'm the Tiger Shark character. <laughs> Do you Rock. remember his name? No. Okay, <laughs> you're the Tiger Shark. You really into sharks? What about you, Mason? Oh, I don't know. This is, this is really a tough one. What did I watch a lot as a uh, kid? I would be Detective Elisa Maza from the Gargoyles. <laughs> be really good oh my god what did i watch a lot of as a kid like dragon ball z but i don't want to do that those movies, watch a lot those, of that as an adult I too Mason. those movies those movies uh don't work so well live action uh yeah. sh- streaks i would be streaks gross from okay. street sharks wow or I, I i mean i could probably be ripster uh, none of this means anything <laughs> ripster was the main did one. you watch whatever shark thing donovan's talking about i did a little bit oh, okay I think I never saw it before, and Ripster, I'm pretty sure Donovan was making it up. Ripster is the great white shark. Jab is the hammerhead. Streaks is the tiger shark. Yeah. And then Big Slamu is the whale shark. Okay, you know, so you Donovan know would be Jabberjaw. You know what? Not a... Not a um, not a, Another teen movie? Well, sure. Not a TV show. Movie. Not a TV show. Already a set of movies. We could do like like a Disney live-action-y CGI type deal with... Uh-huh. They, Land Before Time. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Which dinosaur would you be? I'd be a completely new one. The Ethan Hunt wasn't a character from the old show. Be oh, a completely new... <laughs> you just made up a new dinosaur. <laughs> I'd, I'd be a completely some new dinosaur like, character. Some sort of flying T-Rex, perhaps? Yeah, that would get... That would, like... Uh, With spikes on his back. That would pull a heist and steal a bunch of tree stars or some shit. I don't know. Okay, wow. Uh, now you guys have me... Cool. Now, you, now you guys are, are making me remember things about Street Sharks. <laughs> like the villain Moby Lick. Oh my oh, god! Like killer whale. No. Oh no! I'm gonna have. Oh. Is, let's move on. This is terrible. <laughs> Do you actually have anything about the movie we're no, talking about? No, it's good. It's fine. It's medium good. Go I mean, watch it. So do something yeah. else while you're watching it. Probably check your email or something. I don't know what else is there to talk about at the end of this movie though. Like they, they. Uh... Uh, there's the scene where he connects the helicopter to the train and just turns around to the helicopter and just goes. Ah! <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that's, I, did, I did really enjoy that part. That seems about right. Uh, I think I think this is one of those scenes where uh, where the uh, well, all of this really the thing with with Phelps going on, and then all of the action with the helicopter near the end. I think this is part of what all the uh, old actors really didn't like. Well, yeah. yeah, 
Also, there's that part at the end where Kittredge says, we'll just leave the, you know, Max is like, oh, my lawyers will take care of this. This is entrapment. He's like, we'll leave the courts out of this one. <laughs> We're war criminals. <laughs> uh, oh, good old, uh, good old. He was one of the good guys in this movie. Good old espionage. Yeah. Ugh. Cool. Well, all right. On that note, let's uh, get into some fun facts and background info about Mission Impossible. All right. Well, this movie was made on a budget of $80 million and made $457.7 million, which if... It's pretty fucking good. Correct correct me if I'm wrong. I think that's by far the highest grossing film we've done so far of his. Uh, I'm pretty pretty sure. sure. So far as I am aware. The only one I could think that would have been higher is Top Gun. Losing it. No. And (laughs) and Top Gun was made so far before this movie. I, I just I don't think movies made that kind of money. Yeah. They but, really didn't. Honestly, it's Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. It's almost four hundred million dollars. I mean that's I feel like almost no movies with over four hundred million. Dollars. Like in the early early nineties, you know, the yeah. top ones would be around one or two hundred million. Yeah, but this yeah. is closing in on half a billion. Yeah. Yeah. Which of course, you know, nowadays we're getting movies that do gross a billion dollars. Right. Which is insane to me still i'm like i can't comprehend that fucking furious seven yeah (laughs) better than point break furious seven yes not sure (laughs) but anyways uh critical reception of this movie um uh okay not great 63 percent uh from critics 71 percent from the public um so yeah you know both fresh on rotten tomatoes but you know not not like a 90 percent not not great which i think is fair I think I'll give it that. Uh, We actually do get a few stunts in this, um, in the classic uh, hovering over the ground scene. That's actually Tom Cruise doing that. Mm -hmm. And also the part where he blows up that uh, aquarium restaurant thing. Nice. He's actually the one who's jumping through the window and doing all that stuff. All those poor fish. Yeah. Which is a stunt, which, like, I was was trying to think, is that really a stunt just running? But there's a trivia thing that comes up and tells why. That was more dangerous than it looked. Oh, yeah, so, like that much water falling yeah. in, in glass. Um, and, and uh, oh, my God, so much running. Yes. How much running? I actually actually don't think there was that much running. It's just when it was there. It was it pretty was, intense. Yeah, it was like the running, the jumping out of the aquarium restaurant and sprinting away mm-hmm. into the night and everything, you know. I think movies like these are the ones where the where the... Tom Cruise running thing comes from. It's just Probably. Like the very focused running yeah, with his well, very straight, straight back turning corners by turning his body at a 45 degree angle, which is not how most people corner. Yes. <laughs> I mean, this is, it's one of those things. He, uh, he, he does a lot more movies with these kinds of characters from here on out. Mm. There's everything from like Jack Reacher and I don't know the rest of them. Well, I'm going to watch wow. the rest of them. Wow, Jack Reacher. Uh, and the rest of the Mission the Impossibles. Only, that's the only other movie that Tom Cruise did, I think, was one Jack Reacher movie. <laughs> well, I'm trying oh, to think yeah. of the other like spy-ish movies that he's done. 
spy action movies that he's done aside from Mission uh, Impossible. Night and Day. Oh, okay. You're right. I'm sorry. I forgot about <laughs> classic Night and Day. I love that movie so much. <laughs> I saw it the first time and I watched 30 minutes of it today actually because it's on TV a lot. And I was like, oh no. <laughs> oh no, this is bad. Is it because it has Cameron Diaz in it? It honestly is. I mean, it's to Tom Cruise's credit that he fully shows up for that movie and uh-huh. almost nobody else in the movie does. Yeah, you know, there's one thing I will say, like love or hate Tom Cruise, he never phones it in. He gives a hundred and ten. Like I don't care how stupid the movie is, he's all on board for any movie that he does. And oh, yep. you know, you don't. I don't know. He doesn't there, half-ass it. Is there really any other actor you can say that about? I like most big actors. I can think of a couple movies where they're just like, yeah, "Fuck it, I'm just gonna mm. do this." Uh, Patricia Clarkson. I mean, She's we great. We we just watched one last episode where Brad Pitt phoned it in. He, uh, did he phone it in, or was he tortured to the point that he couldn't give any more than he gave? He phoned it in, <laughs> <laughs> He didn't want to be there. He didn't like the conditions, so he's like, fuck it, I'll just make it through, because I don't want to have to pay $40 million to get out of this. Yeah, yeah. I'm just going to go with Patricia Clarkson. She's great. I don't know who that and is. Everything that she's in. She's the meanest blonde-haired lady you've seen in anything. She's the villain in Maze Runner. She shows up for that movie. No one else could be bothered to show up. I saw Maze Runner uh, once. She's and the that's... mom in Sharp Objects. She's Sharp the first woman that Ron married in um, Parks and Rec. Watch Parks and Rec. Uh, in Station Agent, she's the lady that Bobby Carnival and Peter Dinklage become friends with. Um, I still can't she, picture her, but I know uh, I've watched yeah. Station Agent. She's in House of Cards. You're doing a lot of stuff that I've either watched <laughs> once or haven't watched at all. <laughs> Anyway, she's great. Everybody go watch all Patricia Clarkson movies. She's always very evil, but in a good way. There's a picture. Oh, uh, okay, yeah. okay, okay, okay. Okay, yeah. 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 She's been in a lot of shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, mm-hmm. anyways, um, I believe Andrew has some... Uh, Checklist-based movie analysis, because yeah, we one. love movie analysis, and we Checklist love checklists. Checklist-based movie That's analysis. That's the only thing it has ever been called. Um, were there two women in this movie? Bechdel yes. test. That's our first checklist. Yes. Claire and, and Max. And Max. And, Max. and uh, yeah. also the other two on the original IMF team. Sarah they, they had and names. Something. Sarah and Hannah. Hannah. Who's yeah. Hannah? Hannah was the blonde woman who had the, the big sunglasses uh, up at the top How of the stairs. How did she get killed? She was in the car. Oh, I thought Claire was this, supposed to be in the car, Cla- but Claire they got was, out of the car. Uh, Claire was Claire was the getaway driver. She was waiting in the car, but they showed Hannah walking and getting into the car. Oh. And then the car blew up. Okay. And they never actually show Claire in the car because she wasn't in the car. Mm-hmm. I got you. So. They, show, they show the little scene later where she's like walked a block away and then is like hitting the detonator or whatever, I think. Yeah. But. So they were named. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. Did they ever talk to each other? I'm pretty sure that, I'm pretty sure that Sarah, Hannah, and... Um, Claire, when they're all talking at that meeting, I'm pretty sure they actually do talk to each other, like about the mission and shit. Pretty confident. I know Max and Claire never talk. Right. They're never in the same scene together. But pretty confident that the original IMF team all talks to each other. Yeah, uh, I'm cheating by looking at BechdelTest.com. Oh. Um, and it says that it only passes one of three tests, which is oh. confusing to me because we've already gotten two of them. Um, but one person disagreed in there, and they're like, well, do they, does it have to be only women in the conversation because of exactly what you just said? When they're yeah. having the prep meeting at the beginning, they're all talking they're sort talking of like at the group in general yeah. about the mission, and I think that counts. Yeah, I mean, they're all discussing the mission. Maybe they're not 
maybe you know Hannah's not turning directly to Claire and specifically talking to her, but they're talking to the group and there's women in the group. Yeah. So, so uh, and the Bechtel test is okay. all about extremely low expectations. Yeah. And it was not about a man, right? Yeah, I know it's about the mission. So. It's about the knock list, which is yeah. uh, only men are allowed to be knocks. Oh, yeah, that's true. It's um, not. It's not women. You can be knocks. Mm-hmm. Okay, was Claire a sexy lamp? Uh, you know, <sighs> she picked Krieger. Oh, man, that's actually kind of a tough one because I don't like her character in this at all. I she feel does, like she doesn't really seem to do much aside from like essentially trying to be a little seductive for Ethan Hunt. I mean, you know, is it fair to say that she, I mean, they are a little seductive, but I think she's like a lamp. I don't even know if it's like they just tried to make her too sexy and didn't think about anything else, but she just didn't impact the story that much. Yeah, I, I, feel, I feel like I'd probably say she was a sexy lamp because I think you can still tell the story without her in it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and I think even even her, even like when it's like her choice to uh, bring Krieger in. Put a post-it like, note on there. Yeah, well, it's a sexy lamp with a post note that says, "Hey, you should get Krieger." Krieger. <laughs> I mean, you're right, but even that, like, she's not. You don't see any scene where she's saying, "Oh yeah, pick this guy." It's just she says later on, "Oh yeah, sorry, Krieger was my call." Yeah, like it's not even an on-screen thing that she does that. So. Yeah, and you know, Krieger's betrayal wasn't even like that pivotal of a thing in the movie. It was just like no. he was going to be the getaway driver. Yeah, yeah. And he, he was easily fucked with with a bit of a sleight of hand. Yeah. So, okay, Sexy Lamp. Uh, Makamori, did she have her own arc? No. That was independent of supporting a man? No. Um, no. Yeah, okay. No. Yeah. She did kind of have an arc, but it was mostly not wanting to kill Ethan. Well, and supporting um, Jim Phelps. Yes, exactly. I mean, honestly. Her, she went from supporting Jim Phelps to sort of supporting-ish Tom Cruise. Yeah. Not Which, wanting to murder him. I mean, she didn't even really have that much of an arc, because it's not like she was like, she realized the error of her ways and she was going to turn on Phelps. She's just like, hey, we're definitely going to still do this thing where we sell this list and get a bunch of people killed, but can we not kill Ethan? Yeah. That was her character arc. I mean, like, that, yeah. Which all wraps up with her getting shot in Ethan's vicinity. Yeah. Yeah. It's a week. I mean, I think there's a character change there for her, but it's I very, mean, very f- weak and undeveloped. I mean, until, yeah. until Rogue Nation, I feel like the female characters in the Mission Impossible franchise kind of are similar to the women in the James Bond franchise. Hey, James Bond was always great to its women. It wasn't, though. No, I know. Um, but I feel terrible. like Claire is by far the worst female, except maybe Tandy Newton. But I feel like Tandy Newton had more to do than Claire did. Yeah. Wait, did you say until Fallout or until Ghost Protocol? Until until Rogue Nation. Oh, Rogue Nation. Which one is that? Is that the fifth one? Yeah, that's the one where they introduced okay. Rebecca Ferguson. See, because in the fourth one, they have... Paula Patton. Paula Patton. And she's got an arc, right? She's got a revenge arc. I just, and that's a thing. There was something about her that I just didn't like. And, I, I mean, that's fair, but she'll probably pass a lot of these tests. Yeah. Um, and then in the third one, uh, Maggie Q didn't really do anything. Maggie Q was oh, just Maggie Q was his, just sort of student. on the team. And you had the student at the beginning, and then his wife. And his wife, yeah. So it's but like, yeah. you know, <laughs> none of them really did that much. His wife was just there to get kidnapped. Yeah, I agree. And then Maggie Q was just part of the team well yeah we'll see and, when we get there but they might not pass uh, the sexy yeah, lamp and uh, makamori tests hmm. yeah come on mission impossible um okay unsung heroes of this movie i should have been thinking heroes. about this and i wasn't thinking about it unsung heroes i want to say the uh, the flight attendant whose yeah. whole job it is all, all of the an agent how about emilio estevez who didn't even get credited 
Okay. Sure. Yeah, there's a literal sure. unsung hero, right? He was a hero. He got murdered, and he didn't have credits. Uh huh. Uh huh. Does How that mean he uncredited? I don't know. Does that if you're uncredited, does that yeah, that means you don't get paid, right? Because you're not actually in the movie. Maybe. Or like I'm officially. Sure. I mean, I guess he wasn't in there very long. Not a SAG expert, but I mean, so even if he would have gotten paid for his brief point, probably would have been that much. But anyways, I don't know. I don't know how that works. But apparently, uh, Tom Cruise was in a uh, was an, in an uncredited role with a movie that Emilio Estevez did back in nineteen eighty eight called Young Guns, hmm. which hmm. Uh, we didn't watch because he's uncredited. Huh. Well, does this mean we uh, we've talked about this before? We don't get to watch the Flintstones. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think the only the only thing we've brought up that we may watch. Going still, clear. Still, un- still unclear, huh? If we're going to do it, is going clear. I think uh, we should consider watching Going Clear. We should uh, consider it. Um, let's see. Okay. Other unsung heroes, though. Uh, unsung heroes. The firefighters who got their fire truck stolen. Oh shit! I forgot about that. They sneak in with a fire truck, and where did they get that fire truck? Yeah, okay. I'm pretty sure. Like we're, I'm pretty sure when we were watching it, they were driving away, and I'm like, "Where did they get a fire truck?" And and yeah. Andrew, you're just like. That's a really good question. Well, <laughs> you have to steal it from the town, right? Yeah, it was. You it was so, yeah. It was a Langley, Virginia fire truck. Thing. I mean, there there are actually you can get retired fire trucks for surprisingly cheap some places, so that might be part of it. But the other thing, this actually calls back decently well to the first two episodes of the show, because in the first episode they sneak in with an ambulance and they just never explain where the hell they got that ambulance. But then in the second episode, in the second episode, they they uh, they actually do steal a fire truck from a from a fire station. Oh, well, there we go. Wow. Steal a lot of emergency services vehicles. Well, they steal fire uniforms. Is the IMF and sneak in as fire the bad guys? <laughs> are, are we the baddies? <laughs> Um, okay, and the last one. This is a new test. It's intentionally vague. It's not new. We did it last time. <laughs> it's intentionally vague. Uh, I need everybody to pick a, list, a Lestat and a Louie. <laughs> uh, Lestat. Intentionally vague. Yeah, <laughs> it's intentionally vague. It's it's like a feeling, you know? So it's like, yeah, you're a Lestat in this movie. And someone's like, well, oh, I mean, Louis. Ethan Hunt is the Lestat. Well, yeah, maybe. I feel like Tom Cruise is always going to be the Lestat because the thing I associate most with Lestat his his charisma, and mm. Tom Cruise. That he was charismatic because of Tom Cruise. So see, I think for me, Ving Rhames was the Lestat of this movie. I could see because that. his character, like when you think about it, his character sort of has very little to do. But it's uh, the way he plays it is it's it's a kind of an intriguing character. Yeah. You know, you're like, oh, this guy got kicked out because he's like really smart and a good hacker. But you know, he's got he seems like you know. I don't know. He's dressed like really fancy when they first meet up with him. And then he's also like the trustworthy one. Like Ethan learns to trust him really quickly as opposed to the French guy. Yeah. But is that, is that good for Lestat? I think, I think Lestat maybe should be untrustworthy. Maybe, maybe Jim Phelps is the Lestat of this movie. Okay. uh, Well, first of all, it's intentionally vague (laughs) for exactly that reason. You can interpret Lestat how you want to. Fair enough. Um, To me, Lestat is someone where I'm just like, yeah, you like, you did more than this role required of you. You made this character way more interesting than they could have been. Well, you know what? Claire is the Louis because she's a follower. She has no original ideas. She just follows what Jim Phelps or Ethan Hunt wants to do. Yeah. And that's all that Louis did. He just followed around Lestat, and then he followed around Claire, and then Claire died, and he was lost. Uh, I'm and then going... Krieger is the Claudia. 
Krieger's <laughs> <laughs> the child that kept Claire and Ethan Hunt together. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I think Kittridge is going to be my Louis because uh, he was full of bad ideas. He did nothing right the whole time, and then he gets to catch this huge international criminal at the end. Basically, because Tom Cruise just needs to trade that for not getting murdered by the IMF. I think I think Ethan Hunt might be a little bit of a Louis in this. Okay. Uh, because his solution to a lot of problems seems to be to blow it up with gum. <laughs> you know what? That's fair. Man. Oh, maybe Jack is the Lestat because Jack gave him the gum. Yeah. Oh, hey, this, there is or that. Or maybe he's an unsung hero. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's there already, he's well, already an unsung well, hero. Well, okay. I said Let's say Jack, too. Okay. Jack is an unsung hero. Jack, yeah. Emilio Estevez and the character he betrays are both unsung heroes. Yes. Yeah. All right. I like it. Because Jack was like the Q of the Mission Impossible world and gave, gave Ethan Hunt all of his gadgets. Died way faster, though. <laughs> Well, well, yeah, yeah. But no, all, a lot of his gadgets came into handy. The the gum came in handy a couple times. Mm-hmm. The little video glasses at the end, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> was he wearing <laughs> the video glasses when he got stabbed in the face with the elevator? Yeah, because you, because you see the spike coming down, and then uh-huh. it just goes static. <laughs> Oh, why do you keep well, actually, looking at that as it happens? Actually, the first time you see it, you actually see the spike go into his face. But, yeah, you know. Also. If there's spikes there, why would you be standing straight up looking up at the spike? It's like, get as low down as possible. Maybe it doesn't go all the way down. You like uh, try to align, try to align your head so that it's not gonna get. Yeah, ma- make Actually, sure the just things get, get into get the elevator or... at that point. Like, oh well, yeah, you're yeah. gonna get burned if you die. So yeah, yeah. just get burned and don't die. That's <laughs> true. Well, all right. Some trivia from this: uh, the filming uh, while filming the famous scene where Tom Cruise drops from the ceiling and hovers inches above the ground, uh, Cruise's head kept hitting the floor because, uh, spoiler alert, the top half of your body weighs more than the bottom half of your body. So he put coins into his shoes to help with his balance. That's that's cool. some real uh, that's some real spy espionage shit. thinking. Yeah, some spy shit right there. He really is Ethan. He's, yeah, a, he's a spy a kid. Spy. <laughs> Uh, also, and I guess I, I didn't put this in the stunts, but I guess this kind of does count too. The trick with the disappearing, reappearing CD, where he does the sleight of hand trick, that wasn't like CGI or visual effects. That was actually a sleight of hand trick. It doesn't say whether or not Tom Cruise did it, but the way it was shot, like he was in full frame the whole time. So it probably was Tom Cruise. And that probably. also seems like something that he would learn how to do. Yeah. For that 30 second scene. 100%. <laughs> so uh, we'll throw that down for, for, uh, for stunts as well learned close-up magic for one scene uh the producers cast ving rames as luther because they felt he was the opposite of what a hacker normally looks like which i don't know if that's racist it feels like it, <laughs> it feels a, a little racist i just also point taking he looks like he'd be a bruiser right like well, yeah, he's yeah. Really he would be a guy who'd be really good in a fight and yeah. you'd want him in the field but he's like but no, it's like i'm the nerdy guy who's gonna stay i guess home and do i guess like the stuff. hacker is normally like a skinny white boy, white boy with glasses and then you get ving rames it's like oh he's not a hacker wait he is a hacker oh shit yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, uh, diehard fans of the original Mission Impossible television series were upset by the treatment of Jim Phelps' character um, and by the decision to turn much of the focus onto one character because I guess a big part about the show was that it was on the team and not mm-hmm. a, one particular person. It was, all, it was definitely a lot of the responsibility was spread around. But yeah, also they really did uh, Phelps dirty with this. <laughs> he, he, he got pretty, uh, 
pretty bad as a character, especially God, especially near the end of the scene where he shoots, or the end of the movie where he shoots Claire and talks about how he. Which is honestly a poor tactical decision, if nothing else. Yeah, yeah. but also about how he talked about uh, how he he knew she would do well because he had tasted the goods. <laughs> like you got you gross. Gotta, yeah, you've got to imagine like the, these people with this beloved TV character that they'd watched for years. <laughs> you suddenly he's just like what the, the most hell? cartoonishly evil villain ever. <laughs> Uh, also on that same note, uh, Martin Landau, who portrayed Roland Hand in the original series, uh, expressed his own disgust concerning the film uh, in an interview in 2009 with MTV. He said that uh, while they were working on an early incarnation of the film, um, they wanted the entire original team from the TV show to be destroyed, uh, done away with one at a time. And he was against that. Uh, it's basically an action-adventure movie and not mission. Mission was a mind game. The ideal mission was getting in and getting out without anyone ever knowing we were there. So the whole texture changed. Why volunteer to essentially have our characters commit suicide? I passed on it, and the script wasn't that good either. <laughs> very, very critical of this film. Yeah, not, not a not So a yeah, I guess, I guess Phelps wasn't the only original one that was going to come back. They were going to bring everybody back and then kill all of them. Yes. Hmm. <laughs> And the original actors suck. were not okay with not that. Not into that. <laughs> yeah, well, fair. they didn't even get Jim Phelps' original actor. Yeah. yeah well, I mean, he was really old at that point. I mean, that's fair. The TV series was from the 60s, and this is, yes. this is 30 years Although, later, so. Although Jim Phelps didn't come in until later in the original series. But yeah. For the longest time, I wanted uh, the new Star Wars sequels to like have a trailer that would show all of the old favorite heroes, mm-hmm. but then actually they just die in the opening sequence of the movie, and then it's just like, <laughs> all right, a new team now. <laughs> Didn't happen. Nope. Uh, the scene that takes place in the glass-walled restaurant with the big lobster tank in the middle and three huge fridge tanks overhead was Tom Cruise's idea. Uh, there were 16 tons of, I guess, of water in what all of get? the tanks. And there was a concern that when they detonated, a lot of glass would fly around. And Brian De Palma tried the sequence with a stuntman, but it didn't look convincing, so he asked Cruz to do it, despite the possibility that the actor could have drowned. And Tom's like, hell yeah, let's do this. I mean, it was his idea. By the way, also, do we have a nerve agent that can possibly paralyze me? Oh, God. <laughs> Tom Cruise is an insane person. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the director was on board. Ron Howard was thinking about doing yeah. that, too, but they couldn't find a safe way to do it. Oliver Stone, right? Or Oliver Stone, right, yeah. What, which one did Ron Howard do? He did Far and Away. Yeah. <laughs> he looked for a nerve agent that would actually turn Sorry, I confuse all of these really good directors that Tom Cruise works with. <laughs> no, yeah, that's that's fair. <laughs> we can add Brian De Palma to the list now, too. With the yeah. I mean, this really is. This is like, like Mission Impossible is the perfect thing to show the transition between the part of his career where he's like, I want to be a really good actor working with really good directors. Uh-huh. And then the part where he's like, oh, no, I'm doing Mission Impossible, and it's great, and I have full creative control. <laughs> I just so want to do, do that forever. I just want to do these things that I really want to do, just have fun but, doing stunts yeah. forever. But even Mission Impossible, he's still working with at least notable directors, whether or not you think they're good. It's because John Woo is a notable director. but you know. Right. And then J.J. Abrams, Brad Bird, and uh, Christopher McQuarrie. Yeah, but a lot of them at that point, I think Abrams and Bird were well, Bird was a little uncertain because he'd never done live action stuff. Yeah, Bird was really the, this. That was after he had done Incredibles and yeah and stuff like that. I think so. that might have been one of Abrams's bigger early early in his directing career. I could be wrong about I mean, that. I, guess, I know I he did was, Lost. That but. was before Star Trek, I guess. Yeah, it was. Uh, and then Macquarie. I mean, Macquarie is is good. I like his movies, but I think 
my perception of what's happening there is that he worked with him on Jack Reacher and he liked him a lot. Mm. And that one of the reasons he likes him a lot is because he lets Tom Cruise be Tom Cruise. Like Tom Cruise has a lot of creative control over it. And basically they start out with what does Tom want to do stunt wise? Mm -hmm. And then what are our locations? And then they just write a story around that and it works really well for their formula. So, so that's less him being like, I want to work with the master Steven Spielberg and more being like, I know what I want to do. Let's fucking do it. Which is cool. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess from, from here, like back, it's a lot of working with really good directors and, also really good actors, like, you know, working with Paul Newman on Color of Money. Yeah. Stuff like that. You know, he worked with Ridley Scott on Legend and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, fucking Francis Ford Coppola. Like, I, I don't think he's worked with Spielberg yet. I think he only worked with Spielberg uh, or, or the, or the Worlds, Worlds, I think, is the only one, one yeah. he did. With him, a couple but. movies, uh, he's going to have worked with Kubrick. Yeah. 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 And we'll have, he'll do Paul Thomas Anderson mm-hmm. and whoever did Jerry Maguire. That's somebody. Uh, Cameron Crow. Cameron Crow. Okay. Yeah. 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 I know, yeah. man. He's so we're still in the middle of that. A lot phase. of, a lot of big directors. So yeah. But as opposed to his very early career, when I think he was mostly a pretty face, <laughs> pretty. St- he's like a teen, good-looking teen, heartthrob leader for a movie. I mean, it didn't take him that long to get into. You know, I think the Outsiders is his third movie, working with Coppola. Yeah, but that's not like he doesn't have like a big role in that, and that's yeah, not that's like fair. him choosing to work with a good director. Yeah, but it's just like you know, there's there's a difference I think between what he's trying to do when he's like in risky business, well, you know, yeah, versus like he caught, you know, he caught, I'm in the color of money and I'm trying yeah. to really get into the craft here. But no, he, he caught a uh, Coppola's attention enough for him to for Coppola to pick him over his own uh, nephew. It's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Nick. Coppola's over there just like, please not Nick, please not Nick, please not Nick. <laughs> he's so bad, but I can't tell him that because he's family. <laughs> uh, and one last uh, little piece here. Uh, filmmakers delivered the film on time and under budget because Tom Cruise did most of his own stunts. Nice. So yeah. They did not have to pay very much for the stunt people. Or setting up, like, you know, with the stunt people, getting them in makeup and everything. You know, it saves a lot of time when you have an insane person who does all their own stunts. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm sure that helps. Yeah. Uh, y'all got anything else? No. Well, okay. Uh, that's all we have on Mission Impossible. Join us next time when we watch Jerry Maguire. I'm Donovan Bruce. If you like this episode, please rate us five stars on iTunes and check out our letterbox for our Tom Cruise movie rankings and other general movie stuff. Right, uh, I'm Andrew Mount. Uh, I want you to ask yourself a question. Is what Facebook is doing, is that like a net good for the world? Do you really want to be part of that, or are you just making the world a worse place? Um, if you are on Facebook, then follow us on Facebook and uh, Twitter. And uh, for this and other <laughs> podcasts that we do, go to gcatsmedia.com. That's G as in gravy, catsmedia.com. Yes. One more time, that's gcatsmedia.com. You stole Mason's thing. Uh- our, our Twitter handle is <laughs> cruising it pod. Otherwise, I don't have to do shit here. Nice. Thank you. Do that Damn more. <laughs> All right. You've been listening to cruising it. Welcome to Cruising It, the podcast where we watch and discuss all of Tom Cruise's films in chronological order. I'm your host, Donovan Bruce, and with me, as always, is Penis Mount. <laughs> <laughs>
I just moved it, bitch. No, you can't just call me penis. Roll it back. Do it again. I'll take the penis out. That's what he said. I'm just going to start doing that. Every time you do it, I'm just going to change Look, it whenever I'm talking to you. Put, I didn't put penis in there. It's just been there for like weeks now. But And you never take it out. But it's your fault, frankly. But see, that's a lie, though. Anything, it's your you, fault. S- you said you didn't put it in there. It's been in there for weeks. But yeah, who put it in there weeks ago? Who put it in there weeks ago? Mason, probably. When has Mason ever done that? How dare you? Mason. I don't think I've done that. <laughs> Mason, you did do that. What, put the penis in? Yeah, you did that. I put the penis in? You did it. I, it was you. I did it? It was you. It was me? That's what gaslighting is. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Note for all you folks at home. 